we have been promised in the state of California to have rebates for electric bicycles in the year 2023. We are more than a third of the way through the year, and we haven't really heard a whole lot yet. That is, until now. That's right. This week, there was a Zoom meeting with calbike.org going over the entire program, where things are at, what the requirements are, and how people are going to apply for it. So I'm going to give you a breakdown of everything that was discussed in this podcast. And welcome back to the Area 13 podcast. This is episode number two as far as the video version, but there are well over 100 episodes in audio-only format. Make sure you check all of those out on your favorite podcasting platform. So these are incentives for the state of California, but if there's one thing we've seen before, it's that other states often follow what California does when it comes to green technology, EV technology rebates. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see similar programs started up in other areas. Let's first jump into the stuff you really want to know. How much is the rebate? Do you qualify? And when can you get it? So the base amount is $1,000. There is an additional $750 if it is a cargo or adaptive bike. And there's an additional $250 on top of that. If you live in particular disadvantaged communities, qualify as low income under California Bill 1550, or if you're under 225% of the federal poverty level. So basically, you're looking at $1,000 minimum, $1,750 if it's a cargo bike or adaptive bike, or an additional $250, all the way up to basically a total of $2,000 if you meet all of those requirements. Now, for the base requirements, you do have to be 18 years old or older. You have to be under 300% of the federal poverty level as far as income. And this is limited to one per individual. So this is not a household thing. If you have two adults, you could get theoretically, two e-bikes, and both of those would qualify. Just to give you an idea of the income requirements with a household of one, that would be an income of $43,000 and change. With two people in your household, it's about $59,000. Three is $74,000. Four people is $90,000. Those are numbers that are publicly published. You can go look those up. Now, at this point, I have to also point out that none of what I'm about to say is set in stone. This Zoom meeting was to provide kind of the proposed agenda, if you will, and there was a chance for everybody to give feedback. I commented on some things that I had some questions or possible concerns about. Other companies did. So I'm going to share what they proposed as well as kind of my gist of the feedback that I heard on each of these things from people that commented at the end. So the vouchers cover, of course, electric bikes. They are applicable to class one, two, and three. There was only, I think, one person that opposed to class three. Most people didn't seem to be bothered by that fact. I'm not. I think class one, two, and three is perfectly acceptable. In addition to the bikes, it also covers helmets and locks. Now, what they're trying to do is make this program applicable to people who are going to buy the bikes and use them to commute. They really want these to be car replacements. And that's where there was a little bit of a disconnect in the program because they were saying they wanted it to cover helmets and locks and other safety gear, but then they would not cover visibility clothing 
they would not cover bike racks or fenders. Now, that was my main complaint when the comments section came up. I was like, hey, you're trying to get people to use these as car replacements. You have an additional $750 incentive if they're buying a cargo bike, but if it's not a cargo bike, you won't cover the cost of racks or fenders, which really just didn't make sense to me at all why they were excluding those specific items. Other people brought that up as well. So I'm hoping that they took that feedback and they're going to make a change to that. Also, it doesn't make sense because a lot of bikes just come with racks and fenders, which means the rebate is just going to cover the cost of those anyway. (laughs) So uh, that's one thing that didn't quite make sense to me. Now, as far as how many people can get the rebate, there is not a set amount. It's simply based on the amount of money that is set aside. So they have $7.5 million available. There is two and a half million that's set aside for all applicants, no matter what your income status is. And five million is set aside for priority applicants. So if you live in one of those disadvantaged communities based on Bill 535, if you are low income, then you are going to take priority. They're going to fill those first up to $5 million. And then the other two and a half million is for everyone else. Multiple people in the comment part of the meeting brought up that they ran similar programs or were involved in a similar program, either citywide or countywide or in a certain municipality. And they said that this amount of funding is hardly anything for the entire state of California. I mean, you have to remember that we have tens of millions of people that live here. And what they were saying is that with this amount of money, these are going to go extremely fast. They are going to disappear almost instantly. So keep that in mind that if you really want to take advantage of this program, you're probably going to have to pay attention to this very closely and you're going to have to act fast. Because again, there's no time limit. It just depends on how quickly the funds are used up. Now, the e-bikes must be brand new. They cannot be applied to used bikes. There was a little bit of uh, kickback on that from a couple of people. I don't think that's going to change personally. I think it's just too complicated if you try and involve used bikes versus new bikes. If it's new and you have e-bike retailers that are part of the program, I think that just makes the whole implementation easier. Some of the other requirements were kind of interesting. They said the bikes must have integrated front and rear lights. Now, I did ask as one of my questions, what does integrated actually mean? Are you talking about just a light that comes on? Are we talking about a brake light? Does this mean the bike just has to come with the light or does it have to be built into the wiring system of the bike? I didn't get an answer to that question other than there will be documentation that rolls out later with more specifics about what that actually means. Another requirement that I was not expecting, and there was also a fair amount of pushback in the comments from, was that the bike must be fully assembled upon delivery. So what they want is that people can go to a retail bike shop, pick up the bike fully assembled, and it's all ready to go. The retailers, I don't think anybody commented on that. I didn't comment on that. I can understand why they want to do that. But the pushback on that was actually from people that were on the meeting that are in primarily that low-income category that want to use this program. 
because their thoughts were, if you make me have to get a fully assembled bike, you're limiting my options drastically. That means I can't go online. Now, these companies do have to have a presence in California, so that's one stipulation. But they're just saying, I can't order a bike online or have it shipped to my home. They're like, I can assemble it. It's not that hard. People do it every day, all the time. And by eliminating that, you're making us buy a more expensive bike, and then the rebate's not as effective. It'll be interesting to see if that changes or not, because a lot of people brought it up, and a lot of the questions were, why do you even have that as a requirement? I think they were trying to make it a safety thing, like we want the bike to be professionally set up. I don't know where that's going to go. We just have to wait and see what happens. Bikes purchased also have a minimum of a one-year warranty. Uh, That kind of goes along with one of the things that was mentioned later, which is that when you take advantage of this program, you must agree to keep the bike for at least one year. So you can't get the bike and turn around and sell it. I don't know how they're going to actually track that. They probably won't be able to, but you have to agree to that in the terms. And I think that makes total sense with the EV rebates in California. They did a similar kind of thing. If you took advantage of one of those, you had to keep the car for a certain amount of time. Now, jumping into one of the bigger issues that was brought up and many e-bike retailers and also potential customers did not like this is that they specifically excluded certain types of electric bikes Now, some of these aren't electric bikes. They said mopeds. Well, that makes perfect sense. A moped is not an electric bicycle by any definition of the law. It fits into a different category. That's not what this program is intended for. But for some reason, they threw in there that full suspension bikes are not eligible. And people had a really big issue with that. The the logic behind it was that they didn't want people using this program to go out and buy mountain bikes. They want them to buy commuter bikes. But I brought it up, and many others did, that that really doesn't make any sense at all because there are commuter bikes with full suspension. There are little folding bikes with full suspension. There's so many bikes with full suspension on the market that are not mountain bikes that that rule just made absolutely no sense. To me, it looks like somebody who has little to no experience with the e-bike industry put that rule in there. I really hope that they remove that because it just doesn't make any sense at all. The only way I think they can get around this, and this just seems like a headache, is it sounds like what they want to do is have an approved list of e-bike retailers. So you go to their website, you can see here's the retailers you can buy bikes from, and here are the specific bikes that qualify. And if they're going to go through all of that work, they might as well just approve the bikes one by one. So they can just look at a bike and say, well, that's clearly a mountain bike. We're not going to allow that. That also begs the question to me of, well, what about mountain bikes that aren't full suspension? <laughs> like, There's tons of electric bikes out there that are mountain bikes that are hardtails. Where do they fit in with this? Are you going to eliminate those? Because those could be used as a really good commuter bike. I don't know what they're going to do with that. I think they should just get rid of that. It's confusing. It doesn't make any sense and you're really not going to be able to control what people use the bikes for. I know the intent is for commuters. I think the best thing they can do is approve bikes one by one. They make a determination. Is this bike approved? Is this a cargo bike? I think there's going to be a fine line there. What actually is a cargo bike and what's not? There are bikes that are kind of in between. They have a little bit of a longer tail. They've got a bigger rack. 
I think of trikes. Are those a cargo bike? I think they are because they got a huge basket. Are they going to consider that a cargo bike? I really have no idea. One of the commenters was a rep from Specialized, and he poked a bunch of holes <laughs> in all sorts of things, but that was one of his big complaints is that, hey, full suspension, this just really doesn't make sense. Can we just take this out of there? One of the other companies that commented was a representative from Gazelle. And what they wanted, which is interesting because this was the topic of my last podcast episode, they wanted to restrict this to e-bikes that were UL certified. And there was at least one other person that brought this up. And I have mixed feelings about this because on the one hand, I think, yes, having UL certified bikes or batteries is the way to go to make sure we're getting safe bikes. On the flip side, that's all fairly new. And if you're trying to make this a program for affordable bikes, especially focusing on lower income households, UL certified often is going to get you into a higher price bracket. It's going to narrow down the options drastically. Now, of course, when I was on the meeting, the first thing I did was look up Gazelle and see if they were UL certified, which of course they are. So I think there may have been a little bit of a bias there that they're like, well, we want people to be able to buy our bikes and eliminate a bunch of the competition. I don't know if that's their motivation, but that was the vibe that I got. So how do you actually apply for the rebate? And when can you apply? Let's talk about the when first they are going to do a soft launch late Q2. So this program, although it's been in the works for a long time, is still not quite ready. When they say soft launch, that's only going to be for key areas. One was in San Diego, one was San Francisco, another in Fresno, and then they also mentioned native tribal groups. So I'm not sure exactly how that's going to work, but what they're going to do is allocate a small portion of the funds to basically test it out in a few regions and make sure all the bugs and the kinks are worked out before they roll it out to the entire state. So they expect the website to be up in May, which we're coming up in May in just a few days here. They expect this soft launch to happen in June. And then in quarter three of this year, so we're still a few months out, then they're going to try and do the statewide launch. Now, the website, they do have set aside. So this is the number one thing you should take away from this. If you're interested, write this website domain down, go check it out, bookmark it, whatever, and check back regularly to see if it's available for you in your area. And that is ebikeincentives.org. Now, in the meeting, they said that they literally just had the domain set aside there was nothing there. So I'm typing it in right now. And yeah, I get a WordPress login. So there's literally nothing there. But that is the site, ebikeincentives.org. That's where everything is going to be. And this is going to be the process once it is up and live. First, you're going to create a profile and verify your income, uh, presumably with tax documents or tax statements. The next step is that you're going to find an approved e-bike and approved retailer. So I assume that means I, as a retailer and an e-bike supplier, am probably going to have to reach out to them and get certain models that I sell approved 
by them so they can show up on their website. Next, they're going to have some sort of e-bike safety and awareness training. I got the impression this was going to be online on their website. I'm not sure exactly what that's going to entail. Is it just going to be like a video you have to watch? Is it a test? I really have no idea, (laughs) but that's one of the steps to get approved. And then the last step is to receive the approval. And the way it's going to work is you're going to receive a voucher via email, and then you take that voucher and you redeem that at the point of sale. So let's say you want to go to Area 13. You want to come to my shop and buy an e-bike. You're not going to pay full price for the electric bike. You're going to come in with that voucher. I'm going to take that voucher. What I do with it, I have no idea at this point. They didn't even cover that. But I'm basically going to take that voucher and I am going to discount the price of the bike by whatever amount that is. So again, that's going to be $1,000 at a minimum. It could be $1,750 if you're buying a cargo bike or an adaptive bike. Or if you also fit into the low income, it could be up to $2,000. Now, you might be wondering, well, does that mean I could buy a $2,000 bike if I have a $2,000 voucher and I walk out with a bike for free? And the answer to that is, yes, you can. The bike does not have to be more than the cost of the voucher, and there is no minimum cost to the bike, which is something that was talked about in other programs So you don't actually have to spend anything if you have the right amount for the voucher and you pick the right bike. If you've got a $1,000 voucher and you want to buy a $999 bike, you can do that. I assume you'll probably still have to pay the sales tax. I don't think there's any way around that, but essentially you're going to get an e-bike for free or you're just going to get a killer deal on maybe a bike that is a little more expensive than you normally would have One of the things that was mentioned in this part of the meeting was that once you get the voucher, you have 30 days to redeem it. And there was a fair amount of pushback on that item as well. People were like, that's too fast. That's too soon. If you get a voucher, you get approved. You are not going to be able to find the e-bike you want in 30 days in some cases. Now, they did say they would allow a one-time extension. So in theory, you could have up to 60 days. But some people wanted that to just be 60 days or even up to 90 days right from the get-go. I assume the reason they want it to be 30 days is because if you don't use it, it kind of needs to go back into the pool and get used by someone else. They didn't really talk about it in detail, what the, the limit was there for. That's just my guess. But there is going to be some sort of time limit. So here's the thing. If you want a bike and you want to apply for this program... Not only do you have to pay attention to this and sign up really fast when it's available because the funds are going to be extremely limited, but then there's going to be a time limit and you're going to have to go find the bike you want in a fairly short time period. So these are just things I want you to be aware of as this program rolls out. So I will be paying attention to this. I'll be checking in on the website. I will let you know when there is kind of a final decision on some of these unknown items that came up, probably do another episode on that and walk people through the entire process. But for right now, just write down that website, ebikeincentives.org. And like I said, I would just save that 
because that is where everything is going to happen. We finally have some information, even though the website's not live, but that's where it's going to be. Thanks again for joining another episode of the Area 13 podcast. There are well over 100 episodes already out. One video episode about UL certified batteries and what exactly that means. So make sure to check those out if you haven't listened already.